0: All right, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Grind Podcast, and I'm your host, Muley Freak Eric. We got another special guest, a repeat guest, in Seth the Kid from Hornady Manufacturing. What's up, Seth? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me again. I'm getting to be kind of a regular. It's kind of nice. Yeah, you're kind of a household name around here. Everyone knows who Seth is now. We're excited Uh, to have you. Appreciate you guys listening to me. Yeah, absolutely. So today, you know, I've been talking to Seth the last couple weeks. Sorry, I'm adjusting my mic here about the six five PRC on elk. I get this question all the time. Aaron and I have two popular YouTube videos where we um, smash a couple giant elk with uh, the six five PRC, and you know what? We have a blog article that's got literally almost two hundred thousand hits where we kind of break down the 6.5 PRC and and why it it qualifies for for elk hunting. But, you know, I thought, why not bring the ballistician on and have him speak a little bit more to why the 6.5 PRC is a very appropriate elk caliber. So, you know, I figured, why don't we talk about the 6.5 PRC to begin with before we talk about why it's a qualified elk caliber. Yeah, we can, little brief kind of wave top history
1: of the of the cartridge. You know, George Gardner gets a lot of credit from GA Precision on helping to push the 6.5 PRC into existence. The, anybody that's familiar with what he called the 6.5 SOM or the GAP 4S, and I think the 4S stood for C, super secret squirrel stuff or something.
0: <laughs>
1: he originally wanted to design a cartridge for match shooting that was pushing the boundaries of the limits of what you could shoot in a match. And most matches have a speed limit of 3,200 feet per second. And there's a bunch of reasons why he landed on the 6.5. You know, you get all the BC, you know, of the bullets. These things are super low drag. So they're a little bit better than a 6 millimeter, uh, but they don't have quite as much recoil as a 7 millimeter. And then uh, at the time of his development, the 25 caliber and the 270 really didn't have many, match bullets to offer. So he fell on the 6.5. And at the time, it was about 2013, there was this huge ammo shortage, kind of like what we're going through right now. And he wanted to use uh, one of the cartridges we developed a number of years ago called the 300 RCM, the Ruger Compact Magnum. Mm -hmm. Uh, And at the time, we just didn't have the ability to produce enough brass to help him with his project. So for, you know, for that reason, he went to the Winchester Short Mag and and kind of got the the 6.5 Gap uh, or six, five sawm kind of out there. And it did really well. It was a, it was a popular cartridge, but once things lightened up, he circled back. And then with the help of, of Hornady now that had a little bit more manufacturing capability, there wasn't quite the ammo crunch. Uh, we were able to use the RCM case and move it around appropriately and run, uh, what is now the six, five PRC. And we brought that to market in 2018, uh, as when it's got Sammy approval. And it's been, a uh, huge hit you know it was designed initially as a match cartridge and there's still some use in the match world but man it has really exploded since 2018 since its introduction as a hunting cartridge it's really gained a ton of popularity uh, in that little window of time right there just uh, in the hunting world alone again it has its match applications but the hunters are really reaping the benefits of this cartridge
0: yeah, so let's talk about its popularity. Obviously, the 6.5 Creedmoor was was hugely popular. Mm-hmm. The 6.5 PRC is more or less the big brother to yeah. the, the Creedmoor. It really is. It's used the same bullet, roughly 200 to 250 feet per second faster, which translates yep. to more energy. And yeah, more downrange performance. Yeah, better downrange performance.
1: You get uh, a little more velocity out of it, so that's going to pick you up uh, less wind drift and less drop and more velocity and more energy downrange. Since you're shooting the same bullets, if it leaves the muzzle a little bit faster than the Creedmoor, it's going to have more energy and more velocity, more importantly, uh, the further away it gets from the barrel. So uh, yeah, all all good things, and it does it in a relatively short, compact cartridge, and that's one of the, the big benefits for the Hunter is you know the 6.5 Creedmoor is a fine hunting cartridge but to get the most velocity out of it you need longer barrels and you know nobody likes to go hunting with a 26 inch barrel and by the time you put a muzzle breaker or a suppressor on there you've got 30 some inches hanging off the end of your action and it just gets kind of unwieldy well, with the 6.5 prc you can get those velocity increases uh from a little bit shorter barrel a little more compact package and still get the you know the long range performance you're looking for uh, and you get all the benefits that we already talked about the less drop and the less wind and plenty of velocity to make the bullets work
0: yeah absolutely anything else about the 6.5 prc you want to talk about before we just dive in on on how it performs on elk
1: yeah i think i want to i want to mention you know to all the all the naysayers out there very similar to the 300 prc podcast that we did not that long ago that you know a lot of people have say that the 6.5 prc you know fill the hole that wasn't there or it doesn't do anything that the 6.5 284 hasn't done in the past and you know there's a bunch of other cartridges out there and that's the, all those other cartridges have their merits uh, I just want to stress that the 6.5 PRC took a look at all the aspects of making ammunition and a firearm work harmoniously together to shoot accurately and efficiently and and shoot the appropriate bullets. So everything from cartridge overall length, twist rate, the, the chamber design, all those things that again we talked about in the 300 PRC podcast, all of those little things, um, they you know we wrapped all of that up into a simple sami approved package. Although the 65284 Norma might be able to hang with it if you really stand it, you know, if you stood on a handload pretty hard, you can get similar performance. But the standardization of the 6.5 PRC is, is one of the, the, the big attributes because now you can get factory firearms that all have the appropriate twist rate and a, and a really well-designed chamber and really quality uh, ammunition. We fixed a lot of little things that cartridges like the 264 Win Mag and the 6.5 Rim Mag and you know some wildcatters like the, the 6.5-06 Improved and stuff like that. We fixed a lot of those little things, standardized it, and now you have a, a really- Easy to use, easy to purchase, uh, easy to manufacture ammo for whole cartridge there. So just wanted to touch on that a little bit that we, we've got magicians in the marketing team and we get, you know, we get a lot of hate sometimes for what we market and how we market it of being only marketing hype. But the, you know, the reality is this cartridge fixes a lot of little things uh, and it makes it easy for everybody to get. You don't have to be a custom rifle guy. I mean, it's, it's great to have a custom rifle. But uh, these things are chambered in a variety of different firearms that come in a variety of different price points. And because all those little things are correct, it's it's easy to shoot. Uh, it's easy to be accurate with. And uh, like I said, I just wanted to mention that before we jump into performance.
0: Yeah, so on that subject, you know, we talked about on the 300 PRC podcast how, you know, the 300 Win Mag was developed in the, was it the 60s? Yep. 60s. and 1963. Yeah, 1963. And the 300 PRC was developed... 20 what uh originally
1: in like the 2010 11 12 13 time frame as a wildcat for our guys to shoot bench rest with and then it was
0: kind of tweaked and refined ready for market in that yeah 2017 18 2017 18 range okay so imagine the difference between uh, match match machining and tolerances from 63 to 2017 let's say I mean, I imagine Mm -hmm. that's similar with the 6.5 PRC, correct?
1: Yeah, you could definitely say that. The ability for mass-produced items like chamber reamers, Um, the quality of chamber reamers are as good as they've ever been, and the dimensions that the chamber is cut in the rifle are, accuracy depends on those tolerances. And yeah, absolutely. And not just that, but bullets and cartridge cases and gunpowder technology and yeah, we've learned a lot over the years, and it definitely benefits from that for yeah. sure. It is a modernization of cartridges of the past.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, yeah, so I just wanted to remind people that, look, look how far we've come in technology with these guns and um, these calibers. And to think that even factory rifles, Savages, Remington, Browning, what are some of the other ones? Ruger Making 6.5 yeah, five in even Bergara yeah Bugara, Mossberg Mossberg, even those factory you know six to nine hundred dollar rifles are shooting this six five PRC and these bullets just so well. I mean think think about when you purchased a rifle say twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what a twist rate was. You probably did, Seth. I didn't. No no one thought. <laughs> what bullet am I going to shoot? And and ask the gun gun counter manager what twist rates in that gun.
1: Yeah, that's not uh, not a common question, and by all means, it's it we you know you you try to make it easy for everybody, and so you want to make a cartridge that's released with ammo that not everybody has to ask what the twist rate is. You know, not everybody needs to know, but they they need to know that it that it's appropriate for their ammo of choice. And when you start getting into some cartridges like the six five two eighty four, for example, you know it's a it's been s- adopted to sammy i think in 2001 but it's been a wildcat since the 60s you know the 284 was released in 1963 and it didn't take long for people to neck that down to six five so you've got many decades worth of people building rifles with who knows what twist rate and now you right. standardize it and now the standard twist rate is one in nine which is on the slow end now for right. these super sexy long six five bullets and so You know, if you get ammo and a barrel that don't like each other from a twist rate standpoint, it's,
0: yeah, it spells bad things. Right. But before we get started on the 6.5 PRC on elk, I want to, now that we've kind of talked a little bit about the birth of the 6.5 PRC and what that more or less accomplishes in terms of increased velocity, speed, energy, uh, less wind drift, drop, so on and so forth. Let's remind one another that our grandfathers and even our fathers were killing elk, with two forty threes and two seventies, I think I, yep. I read some sort of statistic not that long ago about how many elk have died via the two seventy, and it's a lot. Oh, sure, it's a yeah. lot. Let's talk about what it takes to kill an elk. They're they're obviously one of the toughest animals in all of North America, and, and this is coming from me having conversations with guides and outfitters in Alaska who are guiding brown bear. Uh, Yukon and Alaskan moose, and some yep. of those bigger critters. So they're super tough, and an, an unprecedented will to live and a will to survive and get away. I mean, I've heard guys say, you know, you, you hit a moose, he's going to sit down. He's just, he's just going to lay down right where he's at, more or less. You hit an elk, he's going to go, and he's going to go a long right. ways if he can. That That's what he's going to try to do. One thing I learned from from Seth is he's articulated this one very well. Number one always beats number two, and that's shot placement. Yep, number one,
1: first chief, most important thing is shot placement. And uh, yeah, number two could be, you could argue number two is a number of things. Bullet performance, uh, shot distance, wind call. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that, that come after it. But if that bullet doesn't hit where it's supposed to, nothing else after that. Uh, matters. I mean, it, it does matter, but you, uh, you hate to rely on a secondary factor to kill that animal when if you would have just done number one, it would have been a lot quicker and smoother.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right, guys, if you haven't had a chance to download Base map, do it now because they just released their all-new 5.0 version of the map that features a new UI, which means user interface, and it has this feature that is absolutely awesome, it's called XDR Navigation. And what it is, it's exact direction and range. So basically what happens is you tap that home button twice and out will shoot an XDR line, which essentially is a a scale. And as you point that phone, it's an interactive compass accompanied with that scale. So scenarios on when you could use this. You use this to execute stocks, so that you can plan your approach when you're bow hunting mule deer or whatever you're hunting that you can figure out just how far you are from a certain landmark or you spot an elk shed on the adjacent ridge point that line it'll navigate you there there's also a go feature on there that helps you stay on course it's an amazing feature xdr navigation download the base map app take 20 percent off by going to basemap.com forward slash and check that out it's awesome so let's talk about the bullet selection for uh, yeah, the six five PRC. Yeah, there's
1: a ton of bullets for the handloader. Factory ammo is a little bit limited. Uh, that's going to be you know growing as uh, as time continues. But uh, the six point five, thanks to the Creedmoor's popularity, the amount of great quality bullets, not just from Hornady, but from every but everybody that makes a bullet, the amount of bullets in six point five millimeter is absolutely phenomenal right now. The shooter has so many fantastic options, uh, obviously for match shooting, but hunting specifically. I mean, there's a, there's a bullet of every flavor for every shooter for sure.
0: Okay, What grains um, are the options? I mean, obviously Hornady has the 143 ELDX, um, the 147 mm-hmm. ELDM. What other options are quote unquote options for elk? Sure. In your well, opinion. The, yeah. With a
1: 6.5 PRC, one of the big benefits over say a 6.5 Creedmoor is uh, you're going to get the velocity obviously with the heavy bullets specifically and there's there is you know you want to shoot those bullets that are really going to penetrate well and typically a heavier bullet will out penetrate a lighter bullet all things equal there are some exceptions to that rule that we'll talk about but the 143 ELDX is, is is a fantastic hunting bullet a controlled expansion bullet we tried to make that bullet you know, an all range where you could shoot it, uh, you know, in the lungs at 50 yards and you're going to dispatch the animal quickly. Likewise, you know, if the if the shot situation dictated it and you had a five or 600 yard shot, um, you could still shoot that thing in the lungs or plant it on the shoulder and that bullet's still going to perform. The 143 ELDX is really our premier hunting bullet uh, and it, it fits the 6.5 PRC really nicely. You get plenty of speed, you know, laser flat trajectories, uh, it's got plenty of uh, drag characteristics that help it buck the wind, and that's awesome. I did want to mention that uh, we don't have factory ammo for it at this time, but you know, as I said earlier, typically heavier bullets outpenetrate, lighter bullets, all things equal. Well, one way to equal that playing field is with the GMX. That's another sometimes overlooked bullet, but uh, a monolithic bullet, You know, Barnes has them few others out there but our gmx bullet they sound light for caliber because again the material we use is less dense than lead but they're really long you get you know high sectional density uh without having all the extra weight now these bullets get long but they penetrate like nobody's business they're a a monolithic bullet will out penetrate any lead core bullet Um, they really hit like a hammer so you know there's Plenty of bullets out there. Uh, the bonded bullets are great. Monolithic bullets are great. And again, our cup and core uh, ELDX design is just just fantastic. All of them uh, equally confident in, in taking elk.
0: Yeah, okay. So scenario here, if you were hunting, say the high UNS, which is over here in the northeast corner of Utah, max shots, 100 yards, the GMX bullet would be a phenomenal bullet for that type of timber hunting. Close shots, oh, yeah, close yeah. range, yep. thick timber. You want something that hits hard. You know, I, I yep. would, and I, no matter no matter where you hit that animal, if it's quartering towards you
1: or something, that's the only shot you got between uh, you know two trees, and you got to put it right on the point of
0: the shoulder. That GMX is going to break it down. Okay, so what will what will be the reaction out of the elk? Obviously, there's different scenarios, angles, all that kind of stuff. But is that the type of bullet that's that's going to take an elk off his feet at 100 yards, point of the shoulder?
1: Um, it's hard to say. I've not killed a ton of elk in, in my experience and in talking with you and, and many other people in the industry. Uh, you, you mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, there are barring few exceptions. I mean, you, you take a high shoulder shot with a bullet that really expands quickly, high shoulder, you kind of disrupt the central nervous system, uh, electrical stuff going on and you can knock them off their feet. But even then, in some instances have the ability to get up and go. So it's hard to say because this animal is, is deserving of its reputation in hard to kill. The GMX does expand a little slower than a lead core bullet. So although I can't promise one way or the other, I would suspect you plant one on the shoulder, it's going to hunch up and it's going to, it's going to try to go, Uh, It might walk, it might stumble around, it might lean over, but uh, there are a few things that can, confidently take an elk off its feet and unless you're in that high shoulder and disrupt the central nervous system or or
0: spine yeah if i were to offer my opinion here i would say man it it almost never happens with with any caliber i mean 300 wind yeah whether
1: you're shooting a big yeah big 338 30 cal doesn't matter
0: yeah they'll they'll typically hunch up freeze wobble walk a little you know they're in trouble many years ago i was hunting with a 30 out six and i shot this elk at what two 250 and I shot three times and I believe I hit him every single time. And by the time I got, got more bullets to reload, I looked up and he was gone. He'd already made it in the timber. And I didn't find that bull till a year later. And oh, wow. all, all the shots were perfect. He actually ended up dying underneath a pine tree. His antlers were preserved as if they uh, they didn't get any sunrod or anything like that. But my point is, wow. is he was close. It was it was a thirty out six and I mean he didn't knock him off his feet. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yep. he, he took them like a champ, like they usually do. Like they usually do. Aaron, Aaron had one. I, ha, I haven't seen many run. Aaron, Aaron had one in one of our six five PRC on elk videos. He had one kind of run around the corner, but that that sucker was. He shot him two more times. You know, just because you 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 put them in him until they're down. But he he was he was dead on the first one. But we, we're like, it was kind of a rush thing. It was kind of a little crazy. I'll send you that video after if you haven't seen it, but. I think I have, yeah. Have you, where he runs around the corner and he thumps him? Yep. Yeah. Anyway, it's like, man, some sometimes they don't act like they're even even hurt. They're they're incredible animals. Whether you got a seven mag, three hundred wind mag or three hundred piercing, whatever, they'll take it like a champ. So yeah, I just wanted to hear your opinion on a GMX bullet close quarters. Yeah. What the difference might yep. be, you know?
1: And those those uh, GMX bullets, um, the first podcast we did went over it, but just to touch on it quick. We talked about energy, and, and, and energy is, is sometimes a good indicator of, of what you can expect, but velocity, impact velocity is what makes a bullet work, and bullets need to expand to quickly kill an animal, and so velocity is what makes this, the bullet work, and the GMX bullet needs about 2,000 feet per second of impact velocity, and like you said, if you're up there in the high Uintas, I don't know what elevation that is, but if it's between, I don't know, 6 and 10,000 feet, six and 8,000 feet. Yep. That bullets, yes. it's still going to expand for, I'd have to run some numbers, but I would bet that that our GMX bullet will have minimum impact of 2000 feet per second at maybe 600 yards or more, something in that neck of the woods. Yeah.
0: So um, that's going to be about your max for that bullet to expand right. with the GMX. Okay. So that's why I kind of mentioned if you haven't listened to the first series that we we did with Seth, go back and listen to that because it's, it's an excellent series on the GMX bullet. Versus cup and core in the ELDX. but yeah. So what you're saying is 600 yards, probably your max with the GMX if you want that to get its optimal uh, expansion, which is 2,000. Yep, feet per you'd second. have to. It'll vary,
1: obviously, depend on
0: the the, uh, the barometric
1: pressure or your altitude and your temperature. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, for the most part, I, I would safely say yeah, somewhere in that six seven hundred yard range when you're at that elevation. Um, that bullet will expand because again, it's not necessarily about the energy on target. It's about how much impact speed you have and how that bullet is constructed and where it, you know, where it's supposed to land uh, in that impact window. If you hit an animal with, you know, 2,000 foot-pounds of energy, but the bullet's going 1,200 feet per second, and it is obviously hypothetical. I'm not sure how this will work out, but if you hit with 2,000 foot-pounds of energy, but the bullet's going 1,200 feet per second. And the jacket and core construction was meant to expand at 1,800 feet per second. You're not going to have that that rapid displacement of tissue, uh, that hydraulic effect where the bullet's expanding and the tissue can't get out of the way fast enough, and the shock wave of that expanding material sends more waves out and it disrupts lung and heart and get into the central nervous system and you get the benefits of that expansion. Not just that it's cutting a big wound channel. It's not leaving it, you know, it's leaving a big permanent wound cavity, but it's displacing material. Right. And that wreaks havoc. You can get all kinds of lacerations. And you've probably seen them in the liver and the lungs and the heart. And you may not have hit one of those organs. It's right. just that it can only swell. Just, and Just take bruised and so swollen. And it just looks like you got beat. Yep. So you need a bullet to expand, and and yeah, that GMX is going to need about two thousand feet per second to uh, to open up. Gotcha. Okay. Light core so, bullet, though, like our ELDX, different story. Gotcha.
0: Okay. So what what's a hundred yard shot on an elk, point of the shoulder, going to be like for an ELDX? How you on a an stick ELDX? Tipper?
1: Sure. Um, probably
0: similar to that of a
1: GMX, and that that thing's going to hunch up. The GMX being as as rugged as it is and it's slow expanding. You are very likely to get an exit wound. So you might get a little bit more initial blood loss, where with an ELDX at close range, high speed right on the shoulder, I would expect that bullet to get through the shoulder and then penetrate, it's hard to say, ten to fourteen inches, maybe a little bit deeper than that. Sometimes, you know, it'll you'll find it on the off side of the animal sticking out of the
0: hide. I find that, range, that a lot, but, actually, on the offside yep, on the hide. Yep. And that's kind of an ideal scenario. Right. Run my finger over. That's one of my trophies. I say that in Kyrgyzstan is just cutting that bullet out just to see what it looks like and how it performed. That's my favorite part. Yeah. And
1: that and that shot in, in Kyrgyzstan bled off some some velocity. So it was going to penetrate a little bit deeper with the high impact stuff. It's forcing that material open and the lead and the, the copper is getting forced open. And so sometimes it'll shed the pedals and it'll keep pushing that lead out. Uh, and it usually at that close range won't penetrate near as deep as a GMX. But because of that, uh, a lot of the times I was just talking about how that, that energy transfer into the animal sends those shock waves in your temporary wound cavities really large because that material is expanding so quickly. So you might have a little bit more, quote unquote, shock and awe uh, with a lead core bullet at close range and high speed uh, because it's expanding so quickly that uh, the internal organs and in the central nervous system, electrical activity just can't handle it in uh, some instances, you could, you could, you know, take them off their feet, like a, you know, if you've ever been punched in the jaw real hard or something, where you, you know, kind of resets your brain a little bit. And again, <laughs> in the case of a deer, they're they're staying down. With right. an elk, you know, sometimes they'll they'll bounce up on you. But yeah. again, those, it's not going to penetrate near as deep at that cl- at that close range as a GMX, but they are going to expand faster and likely disrupt more
0: tissue yeah yeah elk and bear i'll tell you what they're tough super tough animals and yeah i don't i don't know what it is about them but they can take a bullet so good attribute to have i suppose if that's uh yeah if you're an elk or a bear yeah it is yeah it is so i you know that that bear i killed a couple of weeks ago i and i always tell people this when we're tracking animals i'm just like oh there's not a lot of blood i'm like relax i said the, the eldx doesn't leave large wound candles in, uh, channels and, and and blood trails, but they're they're going to disrupt things internally, and they're they're going to, for lack of a better term, f them up. So just just mm-hmm. know that the bullet did his job, and it's going to be right here. You know, you know, if it's brushier, you don't see the animal fall in sight. You're left wondering when once you get over there, oh, yeah. especially it's, if it's a longer distance. You're you're like, oh no, I'm going to find this thing. You know? Oh, I've been there. It's horrible. And and as a bullet guy,
1: as a company representative, on you know, my personal hunts, where I'm out there by myself or with, you know, a buddy or my wife or something. And uh, yeah, the animal goes down and maybe gets into the trees or something. And I still have that feeling of like, Oh gosh, you know, I hope he's, I hope he's right here. I hope he's over this next hill (laughs) or whatever, but I do have confidence because of like we mentioned, number one always beats number two and number one shot placement is the, the ELDX is for me not to go off on a tangent here, but there, I can get him to shoot so well. And from an accuracy standpoint, by the time I pull the trigger, I know where that bullet's going. Right. And uh, yeah, that's that's a confidence-inspiring feeling.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've talked about this too, confidence kills, right? So when you have that much confidence in your bullet and the placement thereof, you just know that that thing's in trouble In that thing being your yep. target. Absolutely. So we talked about the GMX a little bit at close range and also cup and core in uh, the ELDX. Let's talk about an elk with a 6.5 PRC at... 400 yards plus and we sure. can maybe maybe we talk about the gmx and the cup and core the yeah what do you think absolutely so
1: i think you know it's it's certainly doable and and again we've talked about it but velocity makes the bullet work and and the 6.5 prc has velocity in spades compared to other 6.5 millimeter cartridges and at 400 yards you know at the at those altitudes yeah you're hanging on to so much velocity that uh it's a non issue. As long as you put the bullet where it belongs and have enough uh, velocity to make the bullet work, by all means, um, it's certainly within the capability of the cartridge uh, to do that. You know, is it an ideal long range elk cartridge? It's, it's not an ideal one, but uh, a lot of guys don't need an ideal elk cartridge, they need an ideal hunting cartridge because they right. hunt antelope and they hunt deer and they hunt elk. And, uh, this is a very much an across the course kind of cartridge, but at 400 yards, our factory precision hunter ammo, and again, I'm not looking at the numbers, it's gotta be doing 2,500 feet per second. And again, the ELDX is going to expand down to 1600. So you've got more than enough you know, enough energy, or excuse me, enough velocity to expand the bullet. And if you're an energy guy, you're probably looking at 2000 pounds, 2000 foot pounds or so of energy at 400 yards with that cartridge. Yeah. So still again, at, at mountain altitude and, uh, yeah, that bullet's going to perform wonderfully. You've seen it that, I mean, a 400 to 600 yard shot with an ELDX. I mean, that seems to be in my experience where the bullet just performs so textbook um, yeah, or you get the it's iconic, range. you know, mushroom is again lead. F- you know, flows as it expands, and sometimes at closer ranges, you get lead will slip out of the jacket because it's flowing and it's expanding, and that's it's not a, a failure. It's just a function of lead. You know, there's only so much lead in that bullet, but gosh, at that four, five, six hundred yard range, you just end up with that those perfect looking mushrooms, and you find that bullet just on the offside, almost ready to come out of the hide. Uh, and that's really kind of a, a sweet spot for the ELDX design and for the 6.5 PRC as a whole. Yeah, five 400 yards in there is absolutely confident with the 6.5 PRC, no questions asked.
0: Yeah, so 6.5 PRC, ELDX, four to 600 yards, big mature bull elk. I've got a good rest. It's not a rush shot. There's no brush in the way of the animal. I'm not even questioning that
1: no i i certainly wouldn't you know and you hate to put restrictions on other people because you know you're not them but uh right. i'm not going to tell anybody to shoot that far if they're not confident but just like you said you've been training you're so comfortable with your rifle you're insanely confident with the capabilities of your weapon system you got the rest you know the wind
0: yeah good optics and, and, right
1: yeah you've got let a, them have it absolutely yeah.
0: you've got like high-end scope on there be it a a loophole Mark five or an NX8 Night Force, whatever, five to twenty-five by fifty-six. Man, I, I feel like you got a good rest. It's like that's happening, right? There's no question
1: in in my mind, and I think a lot of the, your listeners can can attest to that. That you know, from the long range standpoint, when you're really practiced and really comfortable with your system, and you've been training. Man, yeah, you dream of that shot. The animal doesn't even know you're in the same zip code. You can lay down, take your time, and, yeah,
0: let them have it. Let them have it. Okay, so let's let's get into those questionable ranges with the cup and core ELDX. Sure. Let's talk about 700, 800. And, and, and for the record, I've never shot an elk with a 6.5 PRC at that range. Not because sure. I'm afraid to, just because, I don't know, I I was able to get closer. I was closer, so I didn't need to, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, those ranges, again, I'd mentioned not not to restrict anybody or to put confines on anybody else out there in the in the woods. Those are the ranges I would really start to to make sure everything was perfect before he took the shot. You know, sometimes yeah. at at a closer, kind of moderate distance, four or five, six hundred yards, you can get away with, you know, I don't have a rear rest, so I'll just use my hand or you know, uh, something like that, or the wind's kind of gusty or a little bit because the, the accuracy potential of you and your weapon system can overcome that you're shooting a pretty big target at the, you know, seven, 800 yard threshold, the bullet we know is going to expand. We know the bullet's going to expand. You're probably going to have 2000 feet per second or so out there at seven, 800 yards. So the cup and core bullet is going to expand. Uh, it is a lighter bullet. And this is where the, the energy argument can come in. It's not packing a ton of energy, uh, but the bullet is still going to expand. We know it's going to transfer that energy into the animal. It just doesn't have as much energy as a, you know, you pick the caliber. 7-millimeter bullet's going to be right. you know, 175, 180 grains, or yeah. 30 cal is going to be 200 plus. Yeah.
0: It's not going to inflict as much damage at that range.
1: It's not. It's going to inflict lethal damage. absolutely. Oh, I have absolutely. no question that the, that bullet, again, in the right shot placement, is going to absolutely inflict lethal damage to the to the lungs and the heart and that's that's what we're after but again the energy it does have it's going to transfer it to the animal but because of the bullet weight it's it's not packing a ton of energy at those distances still likely well over a thousand pounds thousand foot pounds but more like i started off on the the those shot distances i would make sure that the little things like the wind my shooting position and where the animal's located, and how he's interacting in his environment. Is he comfortable, relaxed, chasing cows around? I'd really want to look at that, and where's his escape routes? You know, I'd really want to be looking at, once I get that first shot off, where is he going to go? You know, where is he going to try to get to? Is he right on the timber line? And as soon as you touch that shot off, you're only getting one off. I'd really start to focus on those things. But I would still have confidence that a cup and core bullet like our ELDX It's going to expand at that range, no questions asked. It's going to transfer energy, uh, and at those ranges, it's still going to penetrate in that 14-inch range, 16, 18-inch range.
0: Yeah, okay. So, I mean, in summary, you've got to make sure that you've got a good shooting situation. You've got little to no wind, hopefully, good shooting rest, good setup, the animal's calm. You know, hopefully someone there to help you spot spot the shot should you not be able to stay in your scope. You know, you could be in a steep side hill, so even a little bit of recoil could kick you out of the scope so you couldn't spot impact, right? Yeah, definitely. helps to have a good spotter for sure. Yeah, it helps to have a good spotter. I would say you want to stay away from the shoulder at that distance on an elk.
1: I would definitely try to get right behind the shoulder, right on that, that soft tissue crease where you know that bullet's got, you know, you might, you go through the skin, you know, the hide, you might take a rib which would probably be beneficial, but you know you're going straight into the soft tissue. You're not wasting the velocity and energy expanding that bullet on the shoulder blade. It's going to do that work while it's in the meat of the vitals.
0: Right. So you you talk about one thing on the, on the podcast. This is your uh, fifth podcast now with me. Budget error. There's just less budget air with a 6.5 PRC at that distance on an elk, you know, yep. as opposed if that yeah, were a whitetail at 800 yards. You got more budget air because it's a smaller animal. So you hit the yeah, shoulder, you gotta, you're probably still going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You hit that neck, you're going to put him down. You know, with an elk, there's just there's just so much matter. They're just such a large animal. Not to mention they're tough. You're just not going to get the same effect. Yeah, but the the accuracy, no question. And this is uh,
1: more of a personal kind of tangential note. But sometimes at those distances, seven eight hundred yards, and and I've said it before. I know you're on this boat as well. Love shooting suppressed sometimes it, it kind of works out in your favor a little bit at those distances because you can get a shot off, place it perfectly. Let's say, you know, you, you just hammered them and with the suppressor and with that distance, they're not sure what happened. And they're not super. And at least in my experience, they're not super prone to just taking off and running a lot of times it almost looks like a state of confusion. They're looking around, uh, that, you know, they take a couple steps, they're still looking around. So sometimes, yeah, this is this isn't a quantifiable thing, but sometimes I've experienced that that uh, they're almost confused because it's quiet and it's far away, so they're not sure if they should be startled. They just know something's not right, and sometimes a follow-up shot's a little bit easier in that right. situation.
0: Right. So I I think it would be safe to say this. I mean, you're going to have to let your conscience, your skill, your situation just dictate what kind of decisions you make. And yep, I, I think get it, your ego out of the way. Yeah, exactly. And I think it. I think it's easy to jump on a thread or a, a, a YouTube comments and, and sit there and, and, and vomit your opinion um, before understanding. Right. I, I, I think that mm-hmm. I think that you need to evaluate all the scenarios, and at the end of the day, take that into your judgment, and before you, you know, sit and, and criticize because the bull the bullet's obviously capable. There's just there's better situations than others, you know, <laughs> for Absolutely. for you to take a shot at that distance. And, and you know what, I, I always try to get closer. I I I love seeing an animal go down harder and, and in sight versus you know shooting it farther. I don't try to back up and and, yeah, and get further away from the animal, but it's just. Hunting out west is just a little bit different, and from western hunt to western hunt, it's different depending on the t- topography and and the canyons. You know, there, take for example the Frank Church for for instance. That's big, steep country, and some of those shots, you're not gonna get a four, five, six, or even seven hundred yard shot. It's just probably not possible. You can get as close as you want, and that's about as close as you might get, as opposed to you know. Other scenarios, you you know, you could be hunting the foothills of a Boise, and you know, you could be a three, four hundred yard shot, and that's in the, that's in the same state. It's just you're different right. type of hunting. So scenarios are going to dictate what you're able to do. Yep. And, and I'm kind of a little bit of a snob, and and I, I like testing different things. And I have a bunch of different custom rifles, and I've built rifles based on the performance and my experiences and, and the type of country I've hunt I've hunted. Knowing what I need to get out there and touch, or, or knowing if I, 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 don't need to get out there and touch. For example, that three hundred wisdom that I use in Mexico, we've talked about this. That's that's not a gun that I would want to get ideally behind it at 9, 1,200 yards. I just not. It's just, it's just not a caliber that I would want to stretch out that far. And the way that that gun's built, it, it's not light. It's probably that midweight build, but still, I I, I like something a little heavier for longer range shots with a little more velocity. Yep. So. You know, if you have a light mountain rifle, you're probably not, That's seven pounds. You're probably not going to want to shoot an elk with a 6.5 PRC at 800 yards.
1: Yep. And you're speaking right to another good point. One of the merits of the 6.5 PRC against, you know, some of the other bigger Magnums uh, and and kind of the popularity of the compact Magnums as a whole, not just the 6.5 PRC, but the shootability, you know, if you're, if you're trying to find a really capable hunting cartridge and you want to take it to antelope, to whitetail deer, to mule deer, to elk, and and you're just you just you know you get you got this really cool weapon and, and everything's awesome and you want it to kill all of those things and you also want to shoot the heck out of it. The 6.5 PRC really lends itself well because it it's not going to beat you up if you do that midweight or that heavier lightweight build. You're not going to get kicked in the mouth. No, you know, every fun. time it's you fun pull to the shoot. Trigger.
0: Yeah, super fun to shoot. Not as fun to pack. And it, yeah, uh,
1: it, but it helps you, be, you know, be a better, more confident shooter. Helps you, you know, train more. Absolutely. And uh, you were talking about the Frank Church. Uh, I have not been there. It's in my short list of places to hunt here in the near future. Being so steep and rugged, you don't want to have a uncomfortable shooting position, and then shoot a ten pound three hundred PRC. It's yeah. a wicked cartridge and yeah basically any distance you feel comfortable killing an animal 300 prc with our 212 vldx it's gonna do it but it's gonna let you know that you just touched the trigger Uh, and and if your neck's all cranked up or you're laying on a side hill it's just not as easy to manage whereas 65 prc significantly less recoil than that and still plenty of capability
0: yeah Also, guys, be sure to check out the all-new snap-release rifle cover. Protect your optics, protect your rifle, protect your bolt from debris, dust, rain, snow. It's DWR water-resistant. It weighs just 6.5 ounces, super light, super durable, and it's just a nice tool to have for your arguably your most important tool. www.muleyfreak.com. Check it out. So I'm going to go back to one of my builds that I no longer have anymore. I actually sold it to my buddy, but it was... It's in that one film, the giant public land bull of my my hunt, where I killed that seven by seven. Uh, have you watched that one, Seth? I'm not sure I have. Seven by seven sounds yeah. like I should though. Oh yeah, he's a stud. Okay, I'll send you the video after the after the podcast. But uh, basically, it was a eight. It was a Macmillan A three adjustable adjustable cheek piece, twenty six inch proof barrel with a long suppressor. It was a Gem Tech Dagger, which is uh, one yeah. of their longer suppressors. It was a tie yep. action. No man, I could shoot that thing. I could shoot that. I could anchor that. It wasn't light, but it wasn't super heavy. It was probably upper end of the midweight. I think I, I was shooting. I think I had velocity three grand plus. I think it was like thirty twenty five with factory pre- precision hunter. And that was a PRC. Uh huh. It was a six five PRC, and sure, I just knew that anything that anytime I got behind an animal, it was in trouble. And you know, I shot that bull at three three twenty, three hundred twenty yards. And people, internet folks, <laughs> the, the the nice folks of the internet, they were yeah. like six PRC is too small. See that elk didn't you know just flip upside down? I'm like, oh man, yeah. guys. First off, that gun is it, is pushing a lot of velocity and energy with the way I have it set up with the with the 26 inch barrel plus the suppressor. And 300 yards is not very far, especially no. with the 143 going that fast. And that elk was did the typical like. Wobble like, uh oh, hunched up. I'm in yep. trouble. And it's an elk. And I didn't want him to wander off down the draw and make it impossible for me to recover him. Not impossible, but just miserable. Uh, it yeah, was already going to be miserable. Yeah, more problematic. Thank you. And so, you know, I put three more in it. And one shot was a little bit far back. I didn't have an ideal shooting situation. It was 300 yards. So it was just making do with what I had on a steep side hill. And Tyler was behind me filming me. And uh first shot right in the pocket, second shot a little far back. Third shot, mid ribs, fourth shot, and the first shot were touching each other when I peeled the hide back. Wow. And that thing just took every one of them and took a couple steps and slid down the hill, and he was done. And And he he would have been done with the first shot. Yeah, just it would have just taken a little bit longer. It would have just taken a little bit longer, and I didn't want that thing uh, getting some sort of crazy adrenaline and, and, and running off and and, and make, making yep. things more problematic or putting us in a more dangerous situation. So um, it was just interesting, just seeing some people just not understanding. You don't need a bazooka to kill an elk, and regardless if you're going to yep. shoot them at the three thirty eight or whatever, I, I've seen I've seen elk at close ranges soak up thirty calibers like it's nothing. Yep. And that's where
1: I was, I was going to mention what you, the whole story that you you just said there, there's no way to, to do this quote unquote test, but I was going to say you, you, you put plenty of shots in, in the kill zone of an elk at a moderate distance. I would argue that that elk, you could have almost hit him with anything barring 50 BMG through the shoulder blades or something, but uh, just about any hunting caliber, I would put money on it that he would have reacted the same way right Um, just that tenacity that that individual elk had yeah you 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 could have hit him with almost anything any of your other hunting rifles and it very likely would have went the same way they're just tough
0: yeah just tough and i think that's the reality of it so hopefully that sheds some light on people understanding that a 6.5 prc is definitely plenty of a caliber for an elk and, and to kill an elk efficiently, really, you know, are you going to want to absolutely stretch it out to a thousand? Um, I don't know, probably not. It probably not an ideal. That's probably, you probably want more energy than, you know, seven 800 in the right situation. I, and with the right skill and practice, I, I think that's reasonable with the right situation, but you know what, you're, you're always going to try to get closer to your quarry and a six, five PRC is just easier to shoot. It's extremely accurate. There's some yep. great bullet options out there for it, even if you don't go the Hornady route, okay? But I just think it's one of the best all-around calibers. And I had someone that wanted me to help build him a gun the other day. I asked me, he's like, well, can my kids shoot it? And I'm like, depends how you build it, but absolutely. It should be no problem yeah. that your, your kids should jump behind, be able to jump behind that gun. And I said, I'd even suppress it if you want to make it just a little bit better for your child. Oh yeah. That's still plenty of the sound out of it. Yeah. Take the sound out of it. So the kid doesn't learn to flinch. You know, I, I just, I just think the six, five PRC is one of, one of the best things that happened to uh, the hunting industry, to be honest.
1: Yeah. I I really agree. Obviously we've got skin in the game because, you know, we designed it here, but hopefully the takeaway, having been on five podcasts with you, hopefully the takeaway from a lot of your listeners is that as a company, we design products that we want to use, you know, just like the 300 PRC, you I know, mean, we had an engineer and now he's the assistant director of engineering, but at the time he was just a working man. He was just not just, but you know, he was a mechanical engineer that shot benchrest. And man, I just want something that I could launch these bullets a little bit more efficiently with. I'm going to design a designer, reamer and use the 375 and we do things because we are in the game. You know, we're not just a company, we're a company of hunters and shooters and we take it very seriously. And uh, here, within our company those of us that that do primarily western style hunting that 65 PRC is is one of the go-tos because shootable it's flat it's fast it's got plenty of of power to take anything that we're hunting and uh, there's been a bunch of people here in the office that have taken elk with the 65 PRC at varying distances you know I, I'm a huge short barrel guy so for me the 65 PRC you can run a nice shorter, easy to manage, barely put a suppressor on there. You've got a slick setup that I don't mind if I'm walking 10 miles a day, uh, cause it's short. I keep it on the lighter side and I still got all the confidence in the world to lay down and take an extended range shot if I need to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now we've talked, we've, we've talked about all the the benefits and and the neat things, if you will, about the six five PRC. I'm going to talk about one negative. Sure. But it's a negative with everything right now. And that's ammo shortage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're you like, gonna Oh, what, yeah, Bear, what, what's Eric well, going to say? I was thinking uh
1: barrel life. <laughs> oh, Cause th- you know, that, that is a concern for some, you know, anytime you take a small hole a uh, small bore and torch off a lot of powder at high speed in there, you do sacrifice your barrel life. Yeah. But, but how much not, really
0: a few hundred rounds? Um,
1: yeah, it's probably you know compared to a Creedmore, a few hundred rounds for sure. Yeah, you know there's certainly some cartridges that are even worse. You know, on oh, barrel yeah. life in that six five category, when you look at six five three hundred Weatherby, for example, or yeah. twenty six Nosler. Oh, yeah, there's a lot It's worse. not unrealistic.
0: But most people never it. shoot eight hundred rounds through their hunting rifle their whole lives in their kids' lives. Yeah,
1: yeah. And a six five PRC, it's it's super realistic to expect you know a thousand to fifteen hundred rounds that's usually where i look at pulling a match barrel. So for a hunting scenario where you're, you know, when a match gun, you're burning down 10 rounds in 90 seconds and you're heating right. that thing up and not treating it very nicely. For a hunting rifle that never sees more than a 3 or 5 round string of fire even when you're at the range, you know, it'll probably be more than that, but uh, uh it's not horrible on barrels, but compared to a Creedmoor, you know, yeah. you're you're going to sacrifice a little bit, but ammo availability, I'll tell you, that's I, I wish it wasn't the case, but you're you're right. It it is a uh,
0: little bit tough to get right now, but but what is it? A cartridge that isn't. Yeah. Actually I will uh, name four, you one. You ready? And I just built one and I'm stoked to the nines that I have one. Yeah. Any guesses? 470 nitro. Six <laughs> close. <laughs> six Creed. Yeah? I find that almost everywhere I go.
1: Yeah, that I would in, in popularity contest, the six creed more versus the six five. Not even a comparison. You're gonna and lose yeah, it every time. Yeah, yeah, and it's a certainly a, a heck of a cartridge. I shoot that competitively. That's my go-to BRS and NRL type uh, type cartridge. Pound it on prairie dogs with it, antelope, deer. I mean, it's it's just a fun, yeah, a fun cartridge to and, have.
0: And it's available right now, so that's why I like it. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. I yeah. was actually gonna take it to Alaska. I'm trying. I'm trying to sneak away to Alaska for a weekend. I got a buddy up there. And wow. uh, I was going to bring it in my seven-year-old. And I was going to take my bow and hunt the beach. And I was going to let her get behind the sixth creed and okay. shoot her first big game animal. So I actually was going nice. to take that on an adventure here in the next few weeks. I'm hoping, hoping I can pull off the trip. But anyway, I, yeah, that, that's a good one that actually is available. But back to the 6.5 PRC, not to get sidetracked here. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if I'm listening to this podcast, I'm, I would say this. I, I wouldn't sweat the barrel life thing because you'll probably never, ever shoot 1,000, 15, even 2,000 rounds through your hunting rifle. And if you do, sure. I want to know where you found that ammo. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and
1: I would also agree, don't, don't sweat the barrel life for a couple of reasons. One, in the world that I live in, we're burning down barrels. And, and that's just a product of what we do. And we know that going in. And so I have a hard time sometimes focusing my thoughts that, not everybody's burning out barrels like me and my my buddies are here at work uh for the hefty majority of people put a thousand rounds on a gun in a year is not happening not to happening. shoot a thousand rounds total in a year on any rifle sometimes ain't happening so a thousand rounds when you start thinking about it it's a, it's a lot of trigger pulling a lot of money If you're too. Not shooting it yeah if you're not shooting it competitively it's probably not happening and uh, at the end of the day if you've never burned out a barrel and you go with the six five prc and all of a sudden you find yourself at the range every other weekend and you're you're shooting stuff far away, banging steel and taking it hunting and having a blast. You know, maybe you, sh- and you do burn out a barrel. Maybe you should think about, you know, treating yourself to that next step in either a semi custom or a custom firearm. And, you know, a lot of those really reputable uh, action manufacturers or gun builders can spin you up one or two barrels, multiple barrels at a time, right. or they can take you, you know, document your your measurements. And then as soon as you need another barrel, they don't need your action. They can just spin you up a barrel to those measurements and you can swap it out. So I, right. there's, I wouldn't let the, yeah, like you said, I wouldn't let the barrel life concern sway me too much at
0: all. Right. I and mean, you don't know, look at a proof too dissipates heat. You want yeah. to, you want to worry about barrel life. Look at, look at some of those alternatives that, you know, cost a little bit more money, but in the long run pay off. So absolutely. Anyway, the summary of this six, five PRC is a phenomenal caliber in my opinion on elk in many scenarios many many scenarios more scenarios than not yep i would i would agree i've i have and and everyone here we would would definitely uh
1: say it is a a an appropriate elk caliber and i mentioned it before if you're not if you're specifically looking for a do for a cartridge to only hunt elk and and have no distance concerns Yeah. then by all means maybe look at something in the 7 or 30 caliber area but if you're looking for just a well-balanced efficient cartridge that has you know the ability to take an elk uh, confidently and and anything else on down yeah the 6.5 PRC outstanding choice
0: absolutely well Seth the whiz kid I know you have an 11 o'clock I'm not going to keep you any longer. Thanks for joining us. I can't wait to have you again. Uh, Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And Seth, we'll catch you on the next one, buddy.